June 7th, 1996. It's a very cloudy day in Surrey, British Columbia, with a high of around 70 degrees and a low of about 55 degrees Fahrenheit. A day that doesn't get too hot or too cold, but starts out more foggy than normal. It's an eerie day, with your line of sight more than half to 12 p.m. Instead of yesterday's frequent rain, it's more of just a constant dreariness. A dreariness that would only fit the setting of a seemingly desperate man's escape from the British Columbia. A man born on December 28th of 1964 strangely had withdrawn most if not all of his money from his bank account two days prior. Even emptying his safe deposit box, taking out jewelry, gold, and platinum to supposedly add to his funds. This would be the start of an attempted escape of something that proved to be later inescapable. He was known as a kind, loving man that was suddenly changing in this July, becoming less and less positive, suffering from mood swings, and even telling some of his friends that he was depressed. This is the story of the bizarre fate of Blair Adams. Good evening, and welcome to You Are Now Aware, where we speak of mysterious murders, scary stories, and conspiracy theories hosted by Alex Weisman-Rose. I honestly say the same thing every time, but we've honestly yet to speak of any conspiracy theories, though we do have some episodes planned later down the line. Almost all of these episodes have had some sort of mysterious murder, though it's rather hazy for the case of Elisa Lam. I can rest easy knowing that all of our episodes have contained eerie true tales that would make anyone's eyes dart to the darker, unchecked corners of the room. Thank you for joining me for the fourth installment of this series. Funny story, the third episode I actually did live at 7 o'clock for some reason, and didn't realize that till after I had finished and had said see you at 8 o'clock every Wednesday. I had done a whole episode in which none of my listeners would have been able to hear. I quickly went to the Wooster recording studio, which I was using for the first time, and recorded it again. There I would upload it quickly to Apple Podcasts, the iTunes Store, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and YouTube. We really are across most platforms. We're already on our fourth episode, and I'm quite happy with how far we've made it thus far. To many more frightening stories. This episode will focus on the unsolved murder of Blair Adams, a man found murdered at age 31 in Knoxville, Tennessee, due to an abdominal preparation. A man that seems to be acting unlike himself in the days leading up to his death. The construction worker seemed more paranoid and unfocused, leaving the construction site unlocked before later suddenly quitting. He wouldn't pick up his paycheck on the grounds that he didn't know if he could carry it here. It was never clear what he meant by here. Join us as we explore the details of the mysterious murder of Blair Adams. On June 7th of 1996, he would attempt to enter the U.S. via some sort of ferry from Victoria of the British Columbia to Seattle, Washington. Although he was quickly flagged by immigration officers as a possible drug dispatcher due to the large amounts of money he had on him. He was actually found to have been convicted of drug and assault charges before and was therefore denied entry into the United States of America. On the early hours of July 9th, Blair Adams was found attempting to cross the Canadian border via foot by Border Patrol officers while on the Pacific Highway border crossing. 
It was noted by officials that he seemed to be covered in what seemed to be medium to small-sized scratches and nicks all over his legs and hands. It was possible he got caught in some sort of prickly bushes or fell onto something, or had possibly even just been attacked by a smaller animal. Officers also noted that Adams had matched the description of a man implicated in automobile theft. And as luck would have it, that stolen car was found near the Pacific Highway border crossing. Blair Adams would deny his involvement in the car theft and was left alone due to a lack of evidence. Even though he perfectly matched the description and once again the car was closer by him. But then again, if he really hadn't been traveling through the area for that long, why was he covered in so many scratches if he had taken a car? Though there were forests nearby, they weren't exactly in this path he seemed to be taking, even by foot. Somehow, on July 10th, 1996, via an automobile rented from the Vancouver International Airport, he managed to enter the United States. Arriving in Seattle, Washington, he would quickly purchase a round-trip ticket all the way to Frankfurt, Germany at the Seattle Tacoma International Airport. It has come to light that Adams actually had contact in Frankfurt. He had been a worker of his stepfather's construction company, which was working on a project in Frankfurt. He had also even dated a woman there, which he would later admit to police that he had no plans of contacting her on his planned visit. Blair Adams would then suddenly trade his credit from the Frankfurt flight, forsaking it, to get a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C. Quickly and seemingly eagerly, he would arrive and quickly rent another car from the Dulles Airport at 6.45 a.m. The next report of Blair Adams would be when a motorist would report that his car had backed into his motorcycle, causing minor damage to the motorcycle on U.S. Route 250 in Troy, Virginia. The motorist noted that Adams did seem nice, but also seemed to be in some sort of hurry. Soon, Adams would be seen in Knoxville, Tennessee on the evening of July 10th the location of his later murder. The first sighting of Blair Adams here would be by Gerald Sapp, an interstate repair service driver who had been called by Adams to help him get back into his car since he was locked out. Gerald Sapp would quickly notice that the key Adams was using to enter the car was actually of a different type of car. Unknown to the interstate driver, it appeared to belong to the car he'd abandoned all the way in Seattle, Washington. Gerald Sapp would tell him that this wasn't the correct key, and that he should check his pockets for the right key, but Blair Adams seemed to insist that this was the correct key to his car, and refused to check his pockets. Sapp began to feel as if Blair wasn't in the right state of mind, and had Adams' car towed to a nearby repair shop. Blair had been dropped off at the Fairfield Inn in Knoxville, Tennessee. After arriving at the inn, Adams seemed to be beyond nervous and partially even frustrated. On closed-circuit footage, he spent around 40 minutes loitering at the hotel lobby, entering and exiting around five times before eventually purchasing a room. According to employees, he was acting paranoid and agitated. The employee said he looked like he was expecting someone to enter, though no one seemed to be. It was as if he was expecting someone to walk in on him. When the hotel clerk would return his change, he would simply leave the room and head outside. He never seemed to enter his room he had purchased. Investigators would look and it seemed there was no sort of liveliness in the room. 
This would be the last time he was officially on record seen alive. On July 11th, 1996, the next day, Blair Adams would be discovered as a corpse at 7.30 a.m. by construction workers working on a nearby hotel outside of Knoxville. He was found in a parking lot with his trousers pulled off in a matter that seemed to be noted as someone clearly doing it other than himself. His socks seemed to be turned inside out and his shoes seemed to be off as well. He was found with a shirt seemingly ripped open in a pool of what seemed to be scattered German, Canadian, and the United States currency, totaling around 4,000 USD overall. Nothing seemed to be touched or stolen at all. Nearby was a black duffel bag that contained maps and travel receipts. Nothing of note. Another nearby search seemed to end up with the discovery of his fanny pack that held five ounces of gold, gold bars, platinum, coins, jewelry, keys, and sunglasses. This would add up to another 2,000 USD in value. He seemed to be covered in many scrapes and cuts. He seemed to suffer a violent blow or blows that completely ruptured his stomach. It was later revealed that his death was caused by these fatal blows and ruled as sepsis stemming from abdominal perforation. There seemed to be signs of blunt force trauma done to his forehead that seemed to be caused by either a crowbar or a metal bat. Something metal. It was clear that he had died putting up a fight. His attacker had torn tufts of hair from his head, and his hand seemed to be all bloody from defending himself. Some cuts on his hand seemed to be going fairly deep. Officers noted that it looked as if he had been forcefully knocked to the pavement. It also seemed to be that he had been sexually assaulted, though there was no signs that would support the suspicion. There were also no signs of alcohol or any other substance in his system at all during the time of his death. Police would soon be on the case, though seemed to really not have a clue as to what had happened. Police began to speculate that his death had been sex-related due to the nature of how his body was found, aka since his body was found almost entirely nude. Officers scoured the area for any sort of murder weapon, but searches all came up empty. The only sign of DNA evidence seemed to be that he had been holding onto a strand of long hair. A more eerie piece of evidence would later be revealed to the public. Less than 10 feet away from the body was the key to the car that Blair Adams couldn't open earlier due to using the wrong key, and there it was. The key that was the reason he was in this place to begin with. The reason he had stopped moving. And now he was here. According to later interviews with his mum, Blair Adams had been outwardly acting odd for the prior weeks. He had been more irritable, sporadic, and seemingly paranoid on the weeks before he fully left Canada. She would regretfully tell interviewers that Blair Adams would never open up to her no matter how much she asked, refusing to say what had been ailing him. She was only later given one clue by him, and he had said that someone had been spreading rumors about him. According to close friends and backed up by family, he had suddenly stopped attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, even though he had been sober for over two years. Around exactly two years by the time of his death. It was clear that there was no alcohol in his system or any sort of illegal substance. Whatever was making him act like this 
couldn't be credited as some sort of substance abuse. He had also allegedly told some of his friends that someone was after him and trying to kill him. The only possible lead was what seemed to be a feminine scream that was heard at 3.30 a.m. on the night of his death by a nearby security guard. A short scream that ended as quickly as it began. After overcoming his alcohol addiction, he seemed to be a changed man. Friends described him as fiercely kind, loving, optimistic, and a hard worker. He seemed to spend most of his time working and was an unmarried man that seemed to work hard. After overcoming his alcohol addiction, he seemed to be a changed man. Friends described him as fiercely kind, loving, optimistic, and a hard worker. He seemed to spend most of his time working and was an unmarried man that seemed hard to unlike. Why was someone or people after him? It was later revealed that on the night of crossing the U.S. border, the second time that he had asked one of his friends to help him cross the border because he believed someone was trying to kill him. His friend, a supposed mother, was unable to leave her kids and help. Some speculate that since he was a man carrying a lot of money on hand, that it could have been an unrelated murder. This insinuates that his fear of being followed and actually being ended up murdered was all of just a coincidence. Something described as some sort of random murder. The unlucky place at the unlucky time. What caused the sudden mood changes out of nowhere? What happened to Blair Adams? There are many theories out there as to what truly happened to him. One that seems to be quite popular among people is the possible idea of him struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts. He had been quoting telling a friend before that he was depressed, but the evidence of the attack at hand seems to prove this entirely wrong. His wounds were clearly defensive wounds. Friends also say he would have never resorted to that, even in such an awful time, which does seem true. In such a desperate time, where he was certain someone was after him, he did not seem to ever just give up. He seemed desperate, determined to live. Another somehow popular theory would be that it was an accidental hit and run. Though it has come to my attention and many others, including Kaylee Elise, someone who's helped inspire this episode, that none of his injuries seem to be consistent with any hit or run injuries. It's clear that he was attacked. Then we have theory number three, that he was murdered. Probably the most plausible explanation that seems to be the only actual answer. The fact that it's just a theory is beyond me. It seems it's only listed as a theory because no one has any actual official suspects of any kind. This way of thought is common with people who want some form of closure or don't want investigators to come off as helpless as they seem to be in this case. He had said someone was after him. He had been worried about someone killing him and then seemed to be brutally attacked and murdered. Though reasons as to why he was murdered span from sexually charged to common burglary. But nothing was stolen. According to some sources, his body hadn't shown signs of sexual assault, citing specifically a lack of DNA present at the scene, though some records seem to say otherwise. Some suspect that the reason behind this murder was a possible drug deal gone bad scenario, but it seemed to be clear that that didn't add up with his character. 
There were no signs of drugs in his system, and he had been drug and alcohol-free for years. People were desperate for an explanation, and yet there didn't seem to be one in sight. Though, that raises another idea raised by the public, that he wasn't running from anyone but himself. People suspect that Blair Adams had suffered from mental illness. His family had a clear history of mental illness, and it was clear that his mental state was really deteriorating out of nowhere. But why would that lead to him getting murdered? Could his death be put up as coincidence? That it was just an unconscious paranoia of someone being after him that somehow ended up with him actually being murdered? It's unbelievable, to me at least. The idea of randomly being murdered after being so adamantly clear about how someone was going to murder him seems as if he was just clearly right after all, that someone was onto him. I believe that someone was after him wholeheartedly. Blair seemed to be trying to escape and yet someone was targeting him, specifically him, and they didn't steal a single thing. Their mind was set on only his murder. Someone wanted him dead. But... Will we ever know why? But the mental illness does have some gravity to it. As stated before, he refused to check his pockets and seemed nuts to the interstate driver that had discovered him earlier, refusing to even check his pockets to look for a key, seeming mentally unstable. In an interview with local law enforcement conducted in 2010, it was revealed that the Knoxville Police Department had never received a credible tip in relation to the murder. And yet there was a complete sketch of a suspect in which a man and two women claimed to have witnessed Adam speaking to outside of Cracker Barrel before his death. Some people from Tennessee claimed that he was with someone at the restaurant on the night of Wednesday, though there was no official evidence backing this up at all. Official records as to unofficial records reveal a new side to the case. A user posting on some form of online discussion would credit herself as the friend of Blair Adams that seemed to be regularly receiving letters as Blair was working in Frankfurt, Germany as a construction worker. According to these letters, he had apparently gotten involved with a young girl that was either 17 years old or 18 years old. She insinuated that someone had followed him back to Canada, someone unhappy with Blair being with this young girl and intended to do him harm. This is someone online who hasn't been verified at all, but it actually checks in with Blair's story of saying that he did have a girlfriend in Germany that he was seeing. Though with nothing verified, who knows? This could easily be someone who just wants attention and knew the information of him having a girl in Germany. Though, who knows? It's possible with the little evidence we have, nothing will ever be found of the Blair Adams case. There's nothing to work on here, and there haven't been any updates on this closed case for years. This poor family is going to have to deal with the mystery of what happened to their son for who knows how long. His killer is still out there, and no one knows the true motivation behind the killings. Whether it was a hit and run, a bad burglary, gang violence, a drug deal gone wrong, a seemingly random murder, or that he really was being hunted down. If we could only know why, a question that could open the case and turn it completely on its head. If only. Thank you for listening to my podcast, and remember to check in every Wednesday at 8pm. 
If you unfortunately only caught the latter end of this podcast, know that you can listen to all of it soon after it's fully re-recorded and put on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, YouTube, and the iTunes Store, all under You Are Now Aware. If you wish to contact me, you can contact me at the following email, awiseman rose 23 at worcester.edu. Again, that's A-W-I-S-E-M-A-N-R-O-S-E-23 at Worcester.edu. This episode's information came from an article by Knox News, a page on Blair Adams on the Unsolved Murders wiki page, the Blair Adams Wikipedia page, and a video on the Unsolved Case by Kaylee Elise. Give yourself a pat on the back if you've stuck through this whole episode and now know that you are now aware. I hope this sticks with you, and you know now that someone could be after you, waiting, following, with one thought on their mind, the thought and urge to take your life. Stay aware, my friends, and remember, they are always watching.